Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It's really nice to be with you. It's nice to start my new year at all three gatherings today, so um, hopefully I won't be too tired for you after being with South already this morning. Um, And it's great to be able to start the year in the Bible together, isn't it? So um, if you do have a Bible, why don't you get that out? Um, As Dave said, we are starting a new series today um, all about encountering God. And I guess as a church, we feel that God is calling us at the start of this year sort of to reorient our lives around him, to sort of be refreshed in our love for him, in our desire to encounter him um, in every part of our lives and to share him with others. And so um, obviously we're going to have this week, uh, Encounter God Week, a week of prayer and fasting together. Um, in just over a week's time. But also during this series, we're going to each week sort of look at um, encountering God in a different part of our lives together as a church, but also um, our lives individually. And today we're going to be in a passage in the book of 1 John together. So if you have your Bibles, you can find that. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, a passage I think I've probably only ever heard spoken on at weddings. Um, So hopefully I'll do it justice today. Um, Why don't we start by reading that together? We're going to start in verse 7 and read through to verse 21. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. The verses are going to appear on the screen behind me. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us of his spirit. And we've seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And, we, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. No surprises. We're going to start the year by thinking a little bit about love, which I think um, is very appropriate. I wonder how many of you watch Love Actually over Christmas. Is anyone? For like the 20th time? Dave. Only Dave. 
many people have ever seen Love Actually? Wonderful. Well, if you haven't, it is, I guess, a romantic comedy. It's great to watch at Christmas because it's set around Christmas time. And it looks at the ups and downs and different types of love. And there's lots of different couples and families that are very strangely connected that we find out in the end in the movie. One of the things I love about this film, and I generally sort of love, is the extravagant acts of love displayed. You get this moment right near the beginning where a friend organises for his friends who are getting married a 12-piece band to randomly play in their wedding, which is a lovely moment. You get this extravagant act of love where a guy um, goes, and it's actually his best friend's wife, which is not great, but declares his undying love to her using these cards. It's a a sort of famous bit of the film but my favorite act of extravagant love is when this guy Jamie played by Colin Firth um, he's a divorced author he spends his time learning Portuguese goes through lots of hard work then he flies on Christmas Eve to this tiny town in Portugal where he declares his undying love in broken Portuguese to the love of his life Aurelia and asks her to marry him it is an emotional scene as well as a very very funny one. There are some funny characters in it. I love extravagant acts of love. But what I love more is what they do, what they cause in the person that they're displayed to. So um, the couple get married or they're reconciled after time apart or they move across in response to the other side of the world just so that they can be together. I find extravagant acts of love and the response it causes in people very moving. Well, today we're going to see together how the most extravagant act of love in history actually changes us. It makes us respond in a certain way. It changes our lives. It moves us. Because that's what we're going to see John is talking about in our passage today. It's like change of subject. Um, I wonder if you've ever thought about how the foundation of a building shapes the way the building ends up. So if you have a square foundation of a building, you end up with a square building. If you have a rectangular foundation, any construction people here, am I getting this wrong? No. Um, rectangular foundation, you end up with a rectangular building. Taller buildings need deeper foundations. Shorter buildings need shallower ones. And I think I'm right in saying the most important part of a building is actually the foundation. If you get something wrong in the foundation when you're building it, it will be wrong in the building. If the foundation isn't secure, the building won't be secure. Well, John is letting us know in this passage what the foundation of our lives should be. He's telling us that in order to have a sort of sturdy structure, a, a life that's shaped properly, we're to have a certain foundation. And that foundation is love. Look at what he writes in verse 16. He says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us, God is love. He's saying the foundation of our lives, what we rely on, what we build our lives on, the base of our lives needs to be love. Not just any kind of love, but God's love. And he's defining that love. He's saying love is God. God is love. That's to be the foundation of our lives if if it's going to be sturdy. 
who's going to be shaped properly. He says in verse 7, love comes from God. John's saying love is defined by who God is, his nature, his actions. And what are his actions? Well, he says very clearly in verse 9 and 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know, the most passionate, extravagant, committed act of human love is no scratch on this kind of love. This is absolute sacrifice. The father sending his one and only son as an atoning sacrifice for you and I. Father, son and spirit eternally in community, yet breaking that relationship so that we might come in. We might be saved from death. We might be redeemed. You can't get any more passionate and extravagant than that. It is life-changing. We deserve nothing. We deserve death and judgment because of our sin. But God acted in history in the most extravagant way to restore us into a relationship with him. And that, that is what John says is to be the foundation of our lives. That's to be what we build our lives on, what we orient our lives around. That's our starting place. And I want to ask you today, is that the foundation of your life? Is that what you rely on? Is that what you're building on? Is that what you orient your life around? Have you ever encountered a love like this? Because, you know, today you can. And what these verses are saying is we have to build our lives on this if we're going to have lives that are secure and are built correctly. Listen, if you're here today and you, I guess, maybe even don't know what I'm talking about. Perhaps you've never really been to church before. You're not really sure what this Christianity or this Jesus is about. I want to invite you today, you can know the love of God. You can know this kind of extravagant love that I promise you will change your life forever. And you know how you receive this love? Well, John tells us in verse 15, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. It's by trusting in Jesus, by trusting in what he has done for us, his sacrifice. And you can do that today. But for the rest of us, I want to ask you at the start of 2015, is your life really honestly built on the love of God for you? Or has your heart grown cold? And I think for some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, our hearts have grown a little bit cold. We know this love, but perhaps we're not experiencing it like we have before or like we'd want to. If If we're going to make any New Year's resolution this year, I'd love it to be this, that we would know the love of God and our lives would be built on it. And today, before we go anywhere, we're going to talk about some of the implications of this love. We have to get this first. This has got to be our foundation. This has got to be where we start because otherwise we're wasting our time. And so as we respond and as you go away this week, I'd love you to be opening your heart up to receive, receiving this love, the love of God in Jesus. We have to start here. But 
you'll notice in the passage that this love that we can experience doesn't just end there. It's not just about God's love for me. It actually produces something. So a house with just foundations is a waste of time, isn't it? You get very cold at night. <laughs> a ha- a ha- um, foundations don't make sense unless a house is built, unless you build some walls and you put a roof on it. It can't have any purpose. It can't be enjoyed or lived in. Well, John in this passage is saying that God's love only really makes sense if something else happens, if it produces something if a house is built, if it results in a community, a community of love, a house that's full of love for one another. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. John goes even further, he gets a little bit harsh in verse 20. He says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And he's given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. John is totally clear, God's love isn't fruitless, it doesn't just end there. It's not just about me and God or you and God, it leads us somewhere. It leads us into God's community. It means we're adopted, yes, by a father, but into a family with brothers and sisters. We become part of a household, a place to invest and belong. And if we think we can just go about this Christian life just us with God, then we are sorely mistaken. In fact, John calls us liars. We're deceiving ourselves because that just isn't how it works. The love of God produces something. It leads us somewhere. It produces love for the family of God and leads us into the family of God. A God-shaped love, a cross-shaped love, sacrificial, selfless, vulnerable, bearing one another's burdens, high commitment. It's a God kind of love that this produces for one another. God's love is supposed to not just pour into us, but out of us to our brothers and sisters. And when you read about the early church, that that's obvious that it, it happened if you look at acts 2 quite a famous passage about the early church and what they sort of did what life was like for them together and it says this they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The automatic conclusion when the early church encountered the love of God was that they were brought into this incredible community displaying sacrificial love, giving up stuff that was theirs so that they could bless one another. They would eat together, they would pray together, they wanted to learn together. That is what seems to happen when we really encounter God's love. And that's what it should be like for us. And listen, here at Mosaic, if you've been around for a little while, the way we live that out together is in our mission groups, our small groups here. If, you, if you're new, they're the groups that we tend to meet in each week. And I guess that's our way of 
living this kind of community out, having brothers and sisters that we can love and care for, that know us and support us. It's not just about having a group of friends here. Lots of us have different friends in the church, but it's about being part of a group of different people. They're not necessarily people that we naturally click with, but they're people that we're committed to, to sharing life life with and loving and supporting because there's power in that kind of community. Different people committing to one another and caring for each other. And listen, I know many of you are part of mission groups here who have supported you through really difficult times. I've just been with South and particularly over the last few years, many people in part of that community have experienced how their mission groups have supported them through some of the hardest times in their life. I know many of you have been blessed and you've had kids that your mission group have cooked meals for you and brought them around each day when you're sort of struggling to find your feet. I know I hear lots of stories of people who when they've got nowhere to stay or their family come and visit, they share, like they let people come and stay in their house, they share cars, they wake up at five in the morning to take one another to the airport. That's what I've seen and witnessed amongst our community and particularly in our mission groups are supporting one another. But listen, today John is calling us back to this again. For some of us, we've been doing this for a while, but John is saying this is really what the love of God does in us, love for one another. And he's calling us back to that again. And for some of us, for some of you, perhaps you're still on the fringe. Maybe you've been around a little while or you're new here and you haven't yet found a mission group. I really want it exhort you and say in reality you're kind of missing out if it's just about coming on a Sunday or you've got a few friends here you're missing out on what it really looks like I believe to be the church and the number of times that I've spoken to someone who's been around for a while come on a Sunday enjoyed Sundays great and then finally found a mission group and they're like oh okay this is what church is all about I finally found it. It's more than just a Sunday, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, I've been saying this for a while. <laughs> I have friends, I have family, I've got people that support me and know me. And for some of you today, this sort of the beginning of the new year is an opportunity. If you're sort of digging in here, you're saying, this is my church family, to find yourself a mission group. I think Dave um, is going to help us. Ooh. Is that right? Dave is going to um, help you guys if you want to find a mission group but you're not sure how and he's going to explain how to do that afterwards. But do you know, I've got to say, I need to like, keep really still. Oh, I actually do. Okay. Okay. This one. Great. Okay. I have to be honest with you. It's not always easy. The reality for us is that being part of this kind of community can be really hard because you and I are quite messy people. We have complicated lives and we don't always get on like we wish we would. And the reality of community life is that it's hard. So I don't want to lie to you and say, being part of a mission group is the best thing ever. It might be difficult. But I want to invite you to be part of that because 
John seems to say there is something powerful about it. And actually, we can know more of the love of God in this kind of community than we could apart from it. He says in verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. If we love one another. That's an incredible statement to make. Saying this kind of community is hard, but actually somehow we experience more of the love of God. The love of God is made complete in us as we love one another. And so if you've never been part of a mission group, I want to encourage you, give it a try. Find one, visit one. If you've been burnt, perhaps you've been part of a mission group that ended suddenly or it multiplied and it was difficult and you then sort of haven't been going to one for a while, I want to encourage you to give, give it another try because I really believe it's worth it. And if you're part of a group and you're flourishing and you're supporting one another, then keep going. Keep thinking creatively about ways that you can love each other with God's kind of love in your group. So God's love produces love in us and it leads us into genuine community, but it still doesn't end there. Community that's closed and inward looking is not genuine God-shaped community. It should naturally result in a wide open door. You have foundations, you have the walls, you have the house, but the door of God's community should never be shut. The author of John 1, 2 and 3 is also the author of the Gospel of John. And here we find these very interesting verses in John 13. He says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John is recording the words of Jesus. And he's telling the disciples pretty much what we've read in 1 John 4. He's saying, love one another. He actually repeats it three times. As I've loved you, love one another. And I think it seems like these words sort of struck John very deeply. They were words that were really important to him, so important that in 1 John 4, he wants to make sure the church really grasps a hold of it. They seem to be really important words that Jesus shared and John wanted to record and communicate. But Jesus says something else. He doesn't just say love one another. He tells his followers that something will happen when they do that. That it will produce something. There will be a result. And that result is that others, those outside of the community of faith, would see this love and they'd realise something. They'd realise that these individuals had been with Jesus. That they were his followers. That somehow, as they loved each other in this way, as they encountered God's love and loved each other, that others would see this love and they'd know that there was something different about it. And they'd encounter Jesus for themselves. And you know, that's exactly what we see happening in the early church. The last sentence, just after the passage I read from Acts 2, says this, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's this amazing community, there's signs and wonders, they're sharing life with each other, they're sacrificially giving up stuff so they can care for one another. And the result, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That is what happens when we receive God's love and we love one another genuinely. That is the result. 
Do you know William, a guy called William Temple? You might have heard this quote. He said, says this, Church is the only society on earth that exists for the benefit of non-members. That is what the church is supposed to be like. Yeah, we receive God's love. Yeah, we love caring for one another. But actually the church is for those outside it. And I want us to ask ourselves today, is that the kind of community we have here? Is our community one that has a wide open door that doesn't just exist for us so that we can know God's love and we can receive care from one another? But is our community one that is about those outside it? You'll know if you're part of a mission group, it's very easy for our mission groups to end up just being small groups that are caring for each other and that the door ends up maybe just a crack open. But actually, it's so much easier, isn't it, to be part of a community that it's the same people every week. There's no one new joining. We know each other really well. It's so easy. There's no one who's asking hard questions about God. We're just enjoying one another's company. That's so much easier. The problem is that is not what the church is supposed to be for. That's not what our community is supposed to be like. The door's supposed to be wide, wide open. If you're new... um, Our mission groups are called mission groups for a reason. They're all supposed to have a missional focus. And so for some of our groups, they're focused on reaching a people group, perhaps internationals or students or parents. Or they're reaching a passion, so like a craft or sports or reading books or a place like Meanwood, Holbeck, High Park. They all have a different missional focus. That's what they're supposed to be for. But so easy for that to be in the name. But actually in day to day... It's not about those outside, it just stays with us. And so if you're in a mission group, I want to ask you, what does your mission group look like? Does it look like a house with a wide open door? Are you really missional? Or is it just about caring for you? And for some of our groups, I think at the start of 2015, this is the big question for us. For our group, we meet in Chapel Alton, that is a big question that we're asking. It's great that we know each other well. and We've had lots of non-Christians in the past who've run intro together, but it's actually got pretty safe. And we genuinely need to ask ourselves, how are we going to open that door more widely? And just to say... When I talk to mission group leaders and I say this, they always act really shocked. If you, are, you lead a mission group or you're in a mission group, do you know you don't have to do a Bible study? You don't have to do word, worship, prayer, witness or whatever the thing is with small groups. That, anyway, um, you don't have to do a Bible study. For some of your groups, it's a really good thing to do because it motivates your mission or you have non-Christians in your group and so you want to share the Bible with them so they learn about Jesus. That's great. But that does not need to be what you do when you're together because primarily it's about mission. And for us, discipleship, us growing in um, our love for Jesus happens in our um, discipleship triplets, which was accountability groups. You'll find out about that over the next few weeks. Um, Our mission groups are primarily for mission and for us having community together. And so I'd love us as we start the new year to think more creatively about how we do mission together. I'm so inspired by what's already happening. So most of my stories are from Hyde Park Henley, just to warn you. 
um, one of our groups, the Creatives Mission Group, I love that they sort of over the last few months have connected with an open mic night in the city, one that's already happening. And so they're going along and performing. They're trying to meet other performers and meet um, the people that work in the pub or the bar that they go along to because they want to try and like impact and share the love of Jesus um, with other creatives in the city. They also have run several worship nights, creative worship nights together, and they've invited from the dance school that some of the girls go to, they've invited non-Christians along just to experience worship and experience the love of God. And they've had non-Christians come and say, wow, it's just like, it's lovely. I don't even know how to describe it, but I felt so peaceful. I really enjoyed it. Can I come again? Yeah, you can. Um, They're thinking creatively, how can they reach those around them and impact the creative scene in the city? We have another mission group called Share Mission Group that um, wants to reach international students. And there's loads of different cultures that are part of that uh, mission group. They ran an international evening a while ago and invited international students that they kind of knew through different events. And they just built friendship and they had music and really great food. Um, And they work with Transformation Leeds, which is a charity in the city, reaching international students so that they can sort of find different internationals that are perhaps lonely and don't know about Jesus and share him with them. Um, In the South Gathering, there's a a few mission groups that meet in an area of the city called Holbeck. And one of their mission groups is called Meal Club. You can imagine what they do each week. They have dinner together. But quite a few people that are part of that group aren't Christians and are from the local community. And they come and have a meal each week. And then they do a really simple story about Jesus, about who he is, so that they can learn about him. And that's gone amazingly well. And together as a set of mission groups, they did a carol service this year. I think they had about 120 people come along. It was amazing. Loads of people that aren't Christians coming and hearing the gospel. And I know here it's been really exciting to hear what's been happening with the youth group, Dynamite Mission Group. Yeah, I'm cool. Um, (laughs) I'm not. Um, sort of doing socials and they had a big swimming party in the summer and had loads of different friends come along and quite a few of the youth have come on intro and invited a few friends along. And I know many mission groups here at the South Gathering at the same at Hyde Park Headingley, you're encouraging one another to be missional in your everyday lives, to share your faith with people from your work, your neighbours, your course mates, your family and even been inviting people on intro. It's been really exciting to see that happening. But I think there's a lot more that we can see. There definitely is for our group, and I have a feeling there is for lots of other groups here. For some of us, we do well, and then the door just starts to shut. And at the start of 2015, God is calling us to swing it wide open. How are you going to engage with those around you? How are you going to make it so that your group isn't just about you, but it's about those outside of your group think creatively why not think of one big thing you can do together this term save up together and do a sort of a bigger event or start a group or join a book club or run intro together we want to help you do that and Dave I'm sure can um, help you think that through and what sort of think creatively what you can do together as a group but listen as we close it all starts with us knowing God's love doesn't it We have to know God's love for us. Otherwise, there's no point in us doing anything. 
And so as we finish, as we pray together, I want us to be really open to receiving God's love afresh at the start of this year. But it it has to be a love that doesn't just end there. It has to result in extravagant love amongst us and love that invites other people in to encounter Jesus. So can I invite you to pray with me and stand? I think the band might come up. Maybe. Father, um, we do want to start the year founded on your love for us. It's not about our love for you. It's about your extravagant act of love in history for us, sending your one and only son as a sacrifice so that we might know freedom and healing and forgiveness and new life. Please, where our hearts so easily grow cold, uh, help us encounter your love afresh this morning. Pray for those who maybe have never known your embrace, your love, your affection. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to them the love of the Father through the work of the Son? And I pray, please, Lord, would this love be real? Would it be fruitful? Would it not be love that just stays between us and you? But would it be a love that causes us, compels us to live out real community amongst us, love for our brothers and sisters, that drives us into community, but also is a love that drives us out to, causes us to have a wide open door to invite people in, to come and experience the love of Jesus that really will change, change everything. Come and meet with us here this morning. For the glory of Jesus.